Thank you for tuning in. Welcome, me heroes, villains, ghouls, ghoulettes. Thank you so much. Uh, this is, uh, just want to give you a brief introduction of what this is. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Anxiety and I. Formerly, uh, it was Anxiety Live, um, but I decided to take a page right out of the book of a good friend of mine. Uh, I, you know, I, I recorded uh, several episodes uh, throughout the year and 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 uh, back into last year, but after listening, I realized you know they were pretty rough. <laughs> uh, so excuse me for that. Um, this is very 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 new to me, um, and uh, there there's a reason why uh, anxiety is in the title because it's as something that it is something that I deal with every day, something that I struggle with, and others will know it's kind of a bitch. But I decided to take myself into a different kind of path, give it a wash. So everything that I did, I decided, you know what, let's go ahead and scrap it. Let's, while we can, while we have the ability, let's go ahead and start fresh. Let's start this anew and really dive into what I love doing because I thoroughly enjoy doing this. Before I was going through a lot, there was a lot on my mind, I was uh, constantly falling into this hoe and that hole, all these obstacles getting in my way. But I have overpowered, I have overcome, and here I am. I want to be able to provide myself and provide uh, fans, potential fans, something that they can really enjoy. I know podcasting is uh, kind of a, a saturated market right now and you know there are people who feel very very certain way about podcasts i know because i've tried to uh, get several people that i know onto a podcast but they have very strong feelings but i want to create a show i want to throw my personality and and tell you who i am and give you something that you know hope that that will be a part of your day every day, whether you're driving to work, whether you're driving home, or just ain't got shit to do, because we all have that kind of time sometimes, um, but rather than just have something playing on the back for background noise, uh, why not give me a listen? Um, but again, I thank you so much for being a uh, part of this, and um, for the 500 and something listens that I had, which I was very shocked by that number, um, really, really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart, but I hope to revamp this and uh, give you an even better show, so thanks for tuning in, and welcome. Alright, jumping right into things, let's start with some headlines that caught my attention, uh, things that I've been keeping up on. Silent Hill! For all you Silent Hill fans and freaks out there, just as I, uh, were given a tiny bit of light at the end of a tunnel for a video game series, a leader uh, in the industry for horror gaming for years. Uh, one that has fallen apart and left us with a bad taste in our mouths, had given us some news, or people who spend their time in the basement just tracking these kind of tracking this kind of news down tracking people who work for this company people who have those type of uh connections have been keeping up with the news that silent hill or konami rather uh, filed for a new trademark up in uh canadian grounds if i'm correct i believe it was in uh canada uh featuring moose of all types and mounties galore 
So Konami files for a new trademark. So this is something that really caught everybody's attention, garnered a lot of headlines. Why? Because it gave us a, a tiny glimmer of hope that there was something new coming down the pipeline. What can we expect? With the release of Resident Evil 2 Remake, a game that just blew it out of the park, that really shattered the gaming industry, gave us a game that we had always wanted, something that really combine today's technology, today's advances with the original story uh, that was created back in the day, which is still considered one of the uh, best games and will have one of the best legacies uh, in the entire gaming industry. So with the Resident Evil 2 remake, it just, it made so much money. It um, reignited that fire that was dying for a series that uh, owned the, alongside with uh, Silent Hill, which was always kind of like a back and forth battle but owned that uh, led the way for the horror gaming industry. Resident Evil 2 Remake is just as beautiful as the original was back in, what, 1990-something. I don't remember the year, uh, but I, I still continue to play it to this day. Why? Because it, it's just, it's, it's something that, it, it's amazing to see what and relive something that I uh, that was able to enjoy as a kid. Now as a adult, I see it in a entirely different vision because they didn't just remake it; they totally created an almost entirely new, different game with new frights, with uh, new ambience, with new energy. It's just a fantastic game. So now that we were provided with this, we're fans are craving and wanting more. We're screaming for more, and the only reason why that this game happened, I uh, will give most of the credit as per the producer of Resident Evil 2, is that fans wanted it. Because fans wanted it, because fans demanded it, they got it. They they decided, you know, let's go ahead and do this. So now fans are uh, crying out for Resident Evil 3. I'm in that group. It, as, as fantastic as Resident Evil 2 did, Resident Evil 3 would be just as amazing, if not even better. There's been some news that has come out with that. We'll dive into that, you know, sometime in the future, because uh, it's it's not something that I'm gonna. I'm, I'm only taking it with a grain of salt. But now that we've given, now that we have been given this gift of the Resident Evil 2 remake, it has fans looking back at the Silent Hill series. Again, the Silent Hill series came out right after the uh, hype for the original Resident Evil that came out for PlayStation. It got that um, horror gaming uh, 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 ambience and just took it to the max with uh, uh, using low production to its benefit. You know, that made the game even scarier with sounds with a different kind of feel than uh, the original Resident Evil. So... Silent Hill files for a new, or excuse me, Konami files for a new trademark in Canada, New Silent Hills, um, has our mouths watering. But again, take it with a grain of salt, because with the release, with, with the whole uh, collapse of the Silent Hills game, which was uh, featuring Norman Reedus by uh, Hideo K uh, Kojima, uh, with, with that whole thing having fallen apart, um, we were left with a very, very bad taste in our mouth. But again, that taste was kind of uh, left there from Silent Hill Downpour, uh, which was like the latest in the uh, series, followed by the HD remasters for Silent Hill 2 and 3. It's kind of a double-edged sword there because 
Um, it, it was great for me for, to be able to play uh, two of my favorite games again in a more uh, modern, uh, with, with a new modern console. But the fine tunes and tweaks that they did to the game just kind of killed the vibe a little bit. But again, I'm not going to complain about it because I'm able to play something that I wouldn't be able to play otherwise. And they're still very, very amazing games that just like the Resident Evil 2 series, will go down with a legacy uh, that will always reign as as king uh, for, you know, horror industry. But, with the, uh, with the collapse of the Silent Hill, uh, Silent Hills game, what can we get, you know, I feel, and I'm gonna, sp I'm, I feel like I'm speaking for everyone here, but we deserve more from Konami. Well, after that mystery, light at the end of the tunnel, uh, that mystery was solved and revealed. So, Konami announces that they are releasing a new Silent Hill in slot machine fashion. Exactly, yes, I know, I know. So, Silent Hill will be returning as a new game as a slot machine. This will be featured at the Global Gaming Expo in Las Vegas. It's part of a new video slot cabinet that features a 49-inch 4K Ultra HD display, which will uh, include Silent Hill-themed slot games such as Silent Hill Return, which is based on Silent Hill 3, and Silent Hill Escape, which is based on Silent Hill Downpour, um, which will feature scenes, sounds, and characters from the uh, those, those two games. Now, why Silent Hill Downpour? That is a very interesting choice in my eyes. But then again, you know, the whole concept of slot machine, we'll get to that in a second. But why Downpour? If I were to say, if I were to rank them, it is one of the games that I feel is at the very, very, very bottom of the chain. Uh, while it, it it really reached for the stars and it gave me something to look forward to, um, from beginning to end, I it just played with disappointment. It was not Silent Hill. I mean, it tried, it tried. I mean, you got to give them some props. I mean, they really uh, reach for the stars, but we have to get what we uh, what was given, you know. Um, Silent Hill Homecoming uh, wasn't, uh, in my eyes, it was actually one of my favorite games to play. Um, it was very Silent Hill-esque. Um, it gave me what I wanted. I was very, very satisfied with the game with just a few uh, issues, mainly um, I don't like games that only give me a written path. I like to be able to explore. I like free world. I like to roam. I like to get lost, which uh, was a classic staple with the original Silent Hill games. The moment you walked off the path, uh, you were pretty much fucked because if you got lost, then, you know, Good luck to you. So, um, I guess we can, uh, it's almost, uh, I'm not ready to give up on Konami, but can we expect something to come down in the future? Unless they get their shit together and stop being petty with about each other. Uh, I, I would take any kind of news, uh, you know, with Konami with a grain of salt. AMC. Uh, announced that they will be launching a new streaming service, more of an on-demand than streaming. Um, this will provide members of its loyalty program to rent or buy films and watch them at home. Uh, this is the first such offering from a cinema operator. Um, now, AMC, I'm a huge fan of AMC. Um, after doing, well, 
I will give credit to a good friend of mine. He's the reason why I am even an A-list member. He convinced me to do it. But I did my, I had done my research on all the other cinema operators that were offering some kind of loyalty program. Um, at first, I was a stubbed member, um, but uh, with that, with the release of the A-list, after comparing it to the other uh, loyalty programs, I decided that I was going to get more of a benefit from the A-list um, program, and I did. With the ability to see three free movies a week, uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to. I, I didn't think I was going to use it. That's the reason why I didn't. I didn't think who the hell needs to see three free movies a week. You take advantage of that. You really, really do. You see movies that you would have otherwise not have spent your money on. So now it's easier to feel like, ah, oh, you know what? Well, I didn't pay for it and go see a movie, and it might turn out to be the best damn movie you've ever seen. Do I always have the time? Um, not necessarily. Could I make more time? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I recommend investing into because it is worth it every single uh, part of the way. Um, it's easy to reserve a seat, um, and then some uh, theaters offer you the ability to um, order food ahead of time, um, even get a kind of glimpse of the kind of drinks that they're offering at their uh, at their uh, uh, new um, bar that they're trying to advertise. Uh, so it's really neat. Definitely very satisfied with my AMC uh, A A-list program. And this is just me saying that. Uh, so now they're um, trying to give you a little more bang for your buck. Again, I don't know if there's any kind of fee or you know what have you, any kind of subscription that is required for this. Um, but I just know that it's offered to uh, members of its loyalty program to be able to rent or buy films. So again, not necessarily streaming because you have to rent or buy. Um, but you do have access to about 2,000 films from every major studio. Uh, does that include Disney? I'm not entirely sure, but it's every major studio. Um, but here's my kind of take on that. Again, uh, from what I've read, People who bought tickets for the Lion King uh, live-action film through the app, through the program, if I read correctly, they will be uh, they were offered a, a digital copy um, that will be provided from this app in this service. I believe it's a, a separate app on its own. I believe what I read. So that, you know, makes it kind of cool. And maybe that's something that will come out of this, you know, in the future with future films. But overall, I feel like the industry, especially when it comes to streaming, is a little bit saturated because every major channel pretty much has its own streaming service now that uh, will provide you with, um, you know, little uh, taste here and there of this and that unless you subscribe. How bad is it? Okay. Here's an example for you. I absolutely hate, like, detest the Hallmark Channel with a fucking burning passion. It is the cheesiest and, excuse my language, but most whitewashed fucking channel on television. Um, but I watch it because I watch Monk. Monk is one of my favorite uh, TV series. I don't know why. It's fucking cheesy as shit. But Tony Shalhoub in that show is just, like, fantastic. And the humor, it, it, it's just something that I enjoy. And uh, usually I have it on for background noise. But I absolutely hate the fucking Hallmark Channel. It is just a cheat. Uh, and, and, and the Christmas movies that they boast so much are just, like, awful. Like, how people watch that? I don't know. Like, why? No. Just stop. But I, sometimes I forget that I'm watching a DVR that I sit, I end up sitting through these um, stupid-ass fucking commercials advertising the 
the ability to watch these Christmas movies 365 days a year to subscribe to our Hallmark streaming service. Yay! You get the library of all these different Christmas movies, especially the new ones that are coming out. It's all the same shit. But again, I have to sit through this, and um, I, I, I just remember looking at the first commercial and thinking, like, who the fuck does this? Who subscribes to this? But then I saw another channel, and I saw another channel, again, with everybody offering their own streaming services. Think about it. The headlines are that people are leaving their uh, traditional cable company to switch over to a streaming service. Uh, examples like Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, DirecTV hey, Now, you know, uh, all those. Now, some pro not everything's going to provide you with what you want. So you're going to hey. want to watch something here. You're going to want to watch something there. So you'll probably end up subscribing to this, subscribing to that. Before you know it, you're possibly paying the same that you would for a traditional cable company. With everything piling up, and the reason, one of the biggest reasons why people are leaving traditional cable companies is because, one, they don't want a contract, and then, two, they're trying to save money. But with all these streaming services, you end up, you know, subscribing to all of these, and then, you know, we also have the, the new Disney streaming service that is coming that everyone is super excited for, including myself. You know, where are you going to draw the line? So, um, it's definitely a, a new venture for AMC. I um, am very interested to see where this goes, but uh, let's see what happens down the line a few years from now, um, how streaming is going to work when everyone else is throwing their hat into the ring. Now, moving on to more movie news, um, with the uh, next uh, line of movies coming in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we have a potential new villain that is um, expected to make their appearance on the big screen. Not for the first time, but I would rather say again. Uh, Galactus is somebody that I've become very, very, very infatuated with. I don't know why. Um, I, back in the day when I was a kid, I remember seeing uh, cousins of mine with Galactus um, action figures and, you know, things of such. But it was... Uh, I've never, I, I will call myself a, a nerd and geek up to a certain point, but, you know, when it comes to comics, DC, uh, Marvel, it, uh, it's, it's not something that I've kept up with or keep up with. A lot of the knowledge that I do have is based on stuff that was shared with me with some of my good friends who, uh, who are uh, bigger nerds than me. But Galactus is something that I've been very infatuated with recently, um, that we did see Galactus for uh, kind of a brief moment, and he was a threat on the movie for uh, uh, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Now go, my Silver Surfer. Soon this planet will be drained, and the great hunger will be upon me once more. <laughs> Clouded judgment, huh? You see what I'm saying? You see where I'm getting there? Um, on on, on uh, their part because it was kind of a letdown. Uh, it was not the Galactus that people, I'm sure, were expecting. But uh, Galactus, regarded by comic book fans as one of the most important supervillains in the history of the genre, uh, Galactus is even ranked fifth on IGN's list of the top 100 comic book villains. Um, he's actually considered a more formidable force than um, Thanos was for the Avengers. Now, there was some complicated ling uh, l uh, legal wrangle um, 
that meant he was unavailable for filmmakers, uh, you know, with contracts and who owns what, you know, because that's how it goes now. He would have been featured earlier, but, you know, with all that nonsense going on, uh, I guess it was just, you know, kind of just pushing the back. But now that Disney owns everything, um, he's expected to make his appearance. Now, what's the news here is that the individual that is being eyed to play Galactus is the one and only Liam Neeson. Now, here's my thoughts on that. I don't know what it is about Liam Neeson that people um, project such a godlike figure into him. He's played some amazing roles. You know, he is definitely a hell of an actor, although he has his um, issues. I mean, he was in some kind of controversy with some things that he said. Uh, I, you know, I'm guessing that's been like kind of forgotten in history now, uh, but would I be okay with him playing Galactus? Um, I really don't have too much to say there. Uh, do I think that they can do better? Absolutely. Now, have we all been taken by surprise before? Yes. Um, two biggest examples are two Jokers, uh, by Joaquin Phoenix and, um, shit, Heath Ledger. I remember, and I think everybody remembers the news with um, Heath Ledger um, being casted as Joker. Everybody threw a fit. Everybody was uh, uh, pretty much on a mob uh, <laughs> spree uh, as if the Lakers had just won or lost the uh, playoffs as has been done before. Uh, <laughs> but Liam Neeson, again, I, I, I think that they can do better. Now here's just, but here's just my opinion. Um, when it comes to um, movies that I've been seeing recently, and just something I kind of observed, is uh, I've been loving movies that and uh, uh, roles in movies that have been played by actors and actresses um, that are very unknown to the Hollywood. And that's just kind of what I've been craving now, is I want to see the new talent that's out there. I want to see new people take on uh, roles that haven't been taken on by big-name actors before. Now, I know this is kind of a gamble. I know this is a gamble with um, studios, but I think it's something that we need to, um, you know, put have more faith in. It's not that I don't like big-name actors. It's just that, you know, it's, it's getting kind of stale watching the same people play you know, the same roles or giving, you know, those opportunities when I think that those opportunities can be given to actors uh, with a foreseeable future, especially actors of color, especially actors with, uh, you know, who identify themselves and just, you know, more of a bigger diversity. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. So, uh, again, it, basically what it all boils down to is, you know, I think uh, Galactus as much as a... Um, as, as an icon that he is in the, um, in, in, in that comic book genre, I think he deserves a little bit better. So, but again, Kevin Faye, or Faye, however you, uh, pronounce it, is, um, I, I, basically has his eye on Neeson playing the possible role, so I don't know if he's gonna be available. I've, as far as I know, um, he hasn't actually been, uh, formally, uh, walked up to with the, um, offer, but, We'll see what happens. And if uh, he ends up being casted for the role, then, you know, is that going to stop me from watching it? Absolutely not. That is to say that Galactus actually is a um, villain that is provided to us um, in the next um, MCU set of movies. So, All right.
So those are our headlines for the day for uh, my breakout podcast. Well, not necessarily breakout, but you know, my revamp. Um, just stay tuned. We will be back with our um, meat and potatoes of this episode. Uh, some conversation pieces that I've been wanting to have for a couple of days now, uh, since I like to drag ass on a lot of things. But uh, we will be right back after this commercial break. Hey, kid. You want a toy? Uh-huh, uh-huh. How about a bike? No. <laughs> a video game? No! <laughs> well, okay. You pick a toy. Yes, log. All kids love log. What rolls downstairs, a motor and pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack, if it's on your back, it's log, log, log. It's log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, log. It's better than that, it's good. Everyone wants a log. Thanks, everybody, for tuning back in. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are back here. Um, so, conversation pieces. I just had the pleasure of finally going to see the Joker movie. And finally, after a long wait, was finally able to see El Camino. So these are two pieces that I've been wanting to talk about, but... You know, I'm actually not the only one that drags ass. There's a lot of people who take their sweet ass fucking time. So, you know what? More power to them. I took a while to see the Joker, but I kind of did that one on purpose. And that's actually where we're going to get to. So, I have a good friend with uh, me standing by. We are going to break down our thoughts, our opinions, and what we got out of both Joker and El Camino. So, starting with the Joker. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself, Chris? Hello, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Chris, and uh, yeah, Joker, holy shit, man. One, cr I thought, creepy, dark, very uneasy to watch at times movie. No, I mean, you're, you're completely right. That is one of the reasons why I hesitated in watching this movie. And I told a lot of people, um, even before it came out, I was hesitant because I thought it would make me very, very uncomfortable watching it. Um, more so just because I know uh, or I knew that it kind of delved into um, mental, uh, you know, mental illness unlike any movie that we've seen recently. And, you know, just as bad as he's just beaten up in the trailer, I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. You know, so it was, that was pretty much the main reason why I hesitated um, to watch it. So fair assessment, I went into this movie uh, completely dark. I didn't watch the trailer before. I only knew about it from listening to the radio to and from work and they would play the the Joker laugh that Walking Phoenix does. And I thought, what's creepy as all hell? And I never watched the trailer. So I knew literally nothing other than that it was a um, origination story of the Joker. So 
Um, it gave me, as you said, just holy crap, just very just dark. And we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, and you know, so um, let's let let's just you know, starting with when you left the theater, were you satisfied with what you had just watched? I was satisfied, but I felt like I need to call my mom and make sure she was okay. <laughs> and <laughs> see, like, hey, hey, love you, mom. <laughs> like, I really do. Because um, it's just like, I, I speak for, I think, a lot of the other people I, I saw it in the theater with. Because it was, I saw it probably the weekend after it had opened. And I was in a smaller theater and it was just, but man, like, even like just watching it, like, you could look around the room and during some of the darker parts of the movie, everyone was kind of, like, sitting. It was really hard to watch, and everyone who left the theater was like, wow, this is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, it is a great piece of cinematic work, but, I mean, it's, it went after making you feel uneasy sitting watching it, and it met that, met that on every level. Yes, and before I continue on, my apologies, but you should have kind of known better. Um, but if you have not watched uh, Joker or even Elfman, when we get to, um, uh, uh, yes, exactly. Uh, when we get to El Camino, and we, as we're talking about Joker, there will be spoilers. So if you have not watched it, you are, instructed, directed, demanded, uh, what's another word I can throw out there? Just get out, get the fuck out. Get out, get out of this house. I said no. Go watch them, go watch them. They are um, absolutely worth it, but yeah. fair warning. Yes. <laughs> they are um, dark. So um, when, I, when I go see movies, um, I go in with not so much little expectations, but with no expectations. It's like, like, yes. and if I do see a trailer to a movie, I only watch one trailer. One of the things that pisses me off about the uh, modern uh, film industry is that movies are like striving to really um, garner attention and to really grab you and to entice people to go to the theaters that they will show trailer after trailer after trailer and um, showing different scenes, um, throwing all the best jokes, and I hate it. Um, one of my first favorite things about, uh, sitting in this theater waiting for the movie to start was, uh, the preview or the trailer rather, uh, for Christopher Nolan's, uh, next movie coming out. There was nothing to that trailer other than just mystery and suspense. And you're like, holy shit, what is going on here? Um, the same thing can be said about, um, Dunkirk, which I also think was Chris, uh, Chris Nolan. Was it? Am I right? Uh, Dunkirk. Yes, I believe that, so. That yep. was another movie that like did not give you a lot to go off of, other than just a few scenes here and there, just an idea and uh, uh, the suspense build up enough to where you're like, I have to go watch this movie. I wish more um, movies would treat the or more uh, studios would treat their movies this way. Um, with 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 Joker, I think I saw maybe two trailers, um, but only because I was trying to convince myself to go watch it. Um, did it give away a lot? I, surprisingly, no. Um, I will say that there was a lot that was not presented to you in the trailer that was in the movie. So what did they show in the trailers? Because again, I literally went into a dark. Like I just knew Walking Phoenix was it, and that was about it. 
Well, you see um, him getting um, his ass beat several times, and um, you kind of see, you know, him with his makeup uh, a lot and, like, very uh, – uh, just multiple scenes around it, but it didn't give a lot away. And but I, you only learn that after having going to watch the movie. But okay. overall, fantastic fucking movie! Like holy shit, I walked out of there. I was shaking a little bit, but I wanted to walk right back in and see it all over again. Um, it was just it. It really took me by surprise. And honestly. You don't have to know shit about Joker. You don't have to know anything about DC because there was not really nope. in there to tell you this is a DC movie or this is a comic-based movie. I mean, you'll get the hints here and there with the Wayne family, with uh, Gotham, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but you can watch that entire movie and not have picked up a DC comic in your life. That's what that's, I loved about it. That's, what, that's, that's one thing that I enjoyed about it too. There's a – with any Gotham – Based movie, it seems like there's always a certain level of like darkness around the city itself. Um, it's it always seems dark, but this it's darker in I say, I say different ways. This, the story is darker, but Gotham seems like you know your shit, you know Chicago, where I believe it's based. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then, it was nothing to me but blind. It seems is based off of. It seems more like that, but yeah, it's just what I guess. What I'm trying to say is, what what were some of the darker moments of the movie for you? Like what? What's what stands out for you? What are some moments you'll still think about tomorrow, basically? Um, honestly, watching him snap. The moment that he starts figuring out more about his life, the moment the more that he starts realizing that um, you know, he's been taking on an unnecessary burden and that he's been putting up with so much shit, the more he starts letting himself be, because believe it or not, even through a lot, like through a lot of his, um, a lot, lot of his tics and a lot, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the weird really things that he does in the very like first half of the movie, you can say that that's very tamed for how he just really lets himself go. So, um, but there was like a lot, like the way that it captured a lot of it, the the shots, you know, just like the 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 moments where like this the camera's zooming in or zooming out, getting like the color that surrounds that scene, getting like the the setting, um, just putting it all in there in the camera was fucking amazing. So it really sets it, really makes it uncomfortable. Like one of the parts that really made me kind of like irk a little bit, but I was very impressed by is when he's climbing in the fridge, like randomly. Like that, oh, is, yeah. that is like pure, just like madness. But he just like does it so casually. He's just like, you know, I'm just gonna climb on in here after throwing all this shit out. I was like, bro, like that's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that part. And, and he but you're it. right. What's that? I was gonna say he does it like we'll get to to his his portrayal of Joker in just a moment. But he just did it so fucking well. Oh, it was, you know, I was talking to someone at work about it who saw it um, last weekend as well. And, you know, comparing it to 
Heath Ledger's Joker. And it's, we both kind of came to the same conclusion that you can't necessarily, you can't compare them the same. They're both amazing in their own way. They're both fantastic, but they're both so highly ranked in their own rights. You know, it's, I don't think you really can. I mean, there's, they're both fantastic, but there's, you, I just feel like you have, you know, Heath Ledger over here in column A and Walking Phoenix Joker over here in like AB. Like they're so, they're, uh, they're both so high ranked in their own right. You really, there's no second, one's not second the other. They're just so, so well betrayed and they're so fantastic and so brilliant. Yeah, no, and, and, right. and you know, you got to give a lot of credit to because he, again, we can talk about how he owned that role and he really turned it around. I mean, and it was a very similar situation to how when Heath Ledger was announced as the cast, uh, you know, as the casting for Joker, like everybody threw a fit, like everybody like started a mob and was like, yeah, you know, how dare they, blah, blah, blah. Have a, like, have a heart throb play a, play a criminal match in mind. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. And, and just like you left out of the theater, like holy shit, was I wrong? But you got to give a lot, <laughs> a lot of credit. Yeah, that was Heath Ledger, crazy. Right? Yeah. You, know, um, you got to give a lot of credit to Todd Phillips, the director. And the best part about Todd, Todd Phillips is that he had the specific uh, vision for the Joker. He had it, he executed it, and he did it well. And this is, you know who Todd Phillips is, you know what he is known for, you know what his credits are? He directed the Hangover series, he directed Due Date, he directed Starsky and Hutch, he directed Road Trip, Old School. These oh, are all comedies. Buddy comedies, yeah. Yeah. And so for this is... And he knew like how much of a different direction this is, like how much of a risk he was taking with trying to pursue this, especially with a big name like Joker in a setting like Gotham, something that's very, 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 very popular right now. You know, mm -hmm. Hangover is not for everybody because it has a lot of dry humor. So you can already know the, the kind of risk that he takes, um, you know, with a movie like that. And the majority of his um, comedy movies are very dry humor. And, you know, it's not, exactly slapstick i never saw stark skin hutch didn't really catch my attention but this just, just like, like a, your adam sandler uh whatever blonde guy's name is movie it's, it's oh it's, it's a buddy comedy yeah. yes thank you yeah. it, it's a buddy comedy it's so it, you know. yeah it's not joker so um for him to be able to direct us to, to, to be able to tell Joaquin Phoenix, here's what you have to do to help them, like, together, they ventured onto uh, a, a journey, and they walked out very, very, very successful. Some other, you know, kind of uh, other little details I want to point out is I was very surprised by Bruce Wayne's, I mean, not Bruce Wayne, um, yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the father, uh, Thomas Wayne. I was very uh, surprised by Thomas Wayne's character. Um, I'm, I, I've never really read a lot of the comics. I really don't know a lot about the story. And I think almost anything Batman I've ever seen, Thomas Wayne is like already out of the picture. So right. for Thomas Wayne to be kind of depicted as the dick that he is was very, very intriguing for me because he was kind of an asshole throughout the entire movie. Um, and not just with his um, interactions with Joker, just like, uh, or Arthur Fletcher, you know, just in general, he just came off as like a stuck up politician. So that was very different for me. 
I, you know, I can see that, but I think in my maybe totally but I don't know. It's just Joe Arthur kind of really put him in a you know shoot up his house to you know talk to his kid, and then he met up with him in like the what, opera or theater bathroom. It's kind of like. I'm your fucking son. He's like, back off, you, you know, psychopath. And I don't know. Yeah. I just... oh, well, yeah, with that, but like as a politician, though, I mean, because, you know, he's running for mayor. And and one thing that this, that this movie did, um, which uh, got a lot of people, you know, either really rooting for or, you know, like completely turning away against, is that it, it kind of pointed out a huge um, issue that we're dealing with right now where, you know, there's a disappearance of a middle class and it's either you're really wealthy or, you know, you've fallen into that poor category. So, and uh, the way that um, the elite looked at the um, bottom half of this movie was like, uh, kind of like garbage, you know, and I think they've even said that, you know, several times. So his character kind of, um, kind of promoted that even more was just he was part of that elite that looked down on the bottom half of, of the population. That's that's fair assessment. I guess I, I wouldn't say I missed that, but that, that, that is true. I think they tried to, uh, you know, Bruce Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne, was not this perfect man that had all this power and all this money. But yeah, he was pretty, he was kind of a dick. He was kind of a dick to. Um, Everything you just mentioned. <laughs> um, so, now, so, you know, as we were discussing earlier um, regarding uh, Heath and um, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, you know, what can, what, what can we say about, you know, comparing the other Jokers? Um, and that, that is another conversation that a lot of people are having with each other. So, Obviously, you know, um, you have your main jokers who are um, Mark Hamill and the um, original uh, uh, cartoon Batman series. We have Jack Nicholson in the original Batman movie. Um, we have Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. We have Cesar Romero as the original Joker in the original T uh, Batman TV show. Um, and then we uh, will even throw uh, Jared, Lo uh, Jared Leto's Joker out there. Now, I think... Everybody collectively agrees on who's at the bottom of that list. Do we? Who we'd say is the bottom? Jared, uh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. yes. I'm not seeing Suicide Squad, but I think that one's. From what I've heard, it's it's so far out there. I guess well, people. Here's the thing. Jared Leto is an amazing actor. I will give him that. He has every role that I have seen him in. He's taken it and made it his own. And not to defend him, but he was, he portrayed the um, character that he was given to portray. This is the Joker that the writers and the director and the producers, this is the character that they drew up. This is the character that they created and said, here, we want you to do this. And he took it and he went with it. Um, do you really think that he had a lot of say-so in how Joker should have really been portrayed? Absolutely not. And it went with that vibe. It went with that um, 
type of movie that they were trying to go for. They were trying to appeal to a lot of younger audiences. They were trying to appeal to um, a different um, type of, uh, um, how can I say, uh, demographic, you know, like uh, something that you'll buy at Hot Topic. You know, that's kind of like the way I saw it. I didn't really see it as like a, a you know, like as, as a Christopher Nolan kind of Batman. It was completely like way oh, yeah. out of the park. Oh, yeah. that. Um, so, you know, again, I will give him that. He took that role and he owned it and he made it and he did it. But it's not the Joker that we know. It's not the Joker that we love. So that's why people, you know, tend to put him at that bottom. So, you know, to give him some credit, you know, give him credit for what he did. Yes. That's, I think it's, that's one of the few, if any, the only Joker movie I have not seen. I've not seen Suicide Squad. So I really can't speak to his Joker. But I, from what I've heard, he is very just out there. It's not anything like other Jokers that have been betrayed before. And you know what, though? But you don't have to. Um, I guarantee you'll be, your life will be completely, will be complete if you didn't see that movie. Um, I, I only walked out of there with, like, one character that I was, like, uh, completely in love with, and that was Katana. But, like, everyone else, I was like, meh, meh. Didn't really get much for it. Um, but with the wrapping up Joker, is there more? Will there be more to this new universe that has been created? Oh, man. This, like we've said before, like this is definitely, I think, the darkest we've seen, like the Joker. I mean, the, as I know a lot of, oh, I'm trying to say, <clears throat> there's a lot of saying this, like it was such a violent movie. And granted, there is a lot of violence in it, but it's not, I guess, as much violence if thought there was going to be, but it's a different kind of violence. It's very dark. It's very psychotic. It's very random. It's very just, like, unsettling. So just to wonder where this thing of Jigger keeps going, it's... I'm very interested to see where they can take it and how much darker it can go because I think if they do, it's, like, just the beginning. It's just... I mean, until it might be, they might make it to a new Batman thing until like there's a rise of Batman. But I mean, that's a good twenty years down the road because when we leave this this Joker, Bruce Wayne's very very young. So yeah, and and that's the thing. Like the way that it ended, it it didn't really open with. I mean, it didn't end with an open ending. Um, it kind of closed things and it gave you like it. It's like okay, things are going to happen from here, but not something like right away, you know? And like you said, you know, it, it, if something does happen, it's obviously going to be like 20 years into the future when um, Bruce is all grown up. There's really not a lot. So um, if anything were to happen, um, obviously it would be a period piece, um, you know, uh, into into the future. Um, but yeah, like it, it, even if it didn't, you know what? I would give Todd Phillips a hell of a round of applause for that because like imagine just like the announcement making like imagine him making the announcement like yes we created something so amazing something that people have been salivating over you know wanting more but you know what we're not going to take it any further like can you imagine they like, don't how they don't have to they don't they have, have to i'd be content if this is it and it's totally satisfying they wouldn't spoil anything and 
I think it's great the way it was. And you see what kind of upbringing, you know, Joker had and ultimately what led to him just snapping and being, you know, that, that one final bad day that made him, Literally. you know, there was no more coming back. You know, no more saying tomorrow would be better. Like, he just had that one final day. Where... And lived his best life since. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and you know, speaking on, on how you were about, you know, the violence of the movie, um, you know, I, I compare that violence because um, I know it made a lot of people very uncomfortable to the point to where they were walking out of the theater. I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, I compare it because there's only been one other movie that has really, truly made me very uncomfortable and kind of sick. Oh, I can um, tell you as well. But go on. Um, but uh, did you ever see Detroit? I did not see the truth. Did not. Okay. I if anyone hasn't seen it, I highly, highly recommend checking out this movie. Um, but it's it's based on a it's based on uh, true events, um, but something that we truly don't um, know the full story about. But um, it was a beautifully directed film, beautifully directed, but it was also meant to put you in a very uncomfortable state. Um, it was directed by Catherine uh, Bigelow. I'm probably butchering her name, and I'm so sorry. No, that, that um, sounds right. Yeah. But, but she just truly, um, she truly took this um, series of event, this story, and put you in the center of it so you felt it um is you know especially in the political climate right now where you know um it you know, people are fearing for their lives because people are getting killed by the cops so you have these people um that are being um basically abused and 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 treated uh like shit um in a situation that they had nothing to be a part of but you know because uh back in back in the time that this movie takes place in um you know they were they were they were the ones chosen to uh, take the you know bulk of, of of the situation and while it's happening god like holy shit like i was getting sick to my stomach and i i was i was i was scared and i was feeling for these people so that's the kind of violence that like really like set the bar you know that's the kind of uncomfortable feeling that set the bar for me um and so i will compare every other movie to that if you're gonna throw like violence and stuff at me joker didn't necessarily hit that level yes it was crazy it was wild um but the way that he executed his humor as the Joker, as a Joker's character, like mm. really like balanced everything out. And that's what also separates him from uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was all about madness, was all about insanity, you know, mm. in a very different kind of way, more of uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Anarchy, you know, um, this Joker, he had a lot more humor. There was not a lot that uh, the previous Joker did, you know, with Heath Ledger I'm talking about, mm -hmm. that had that kind of slapstick that I grew up used to, you know? Right, um, right. I think one of the only scenes that I really got him, like, got from that uh, was when, um, on Dark Knight, when they had their, like, little chicken uh, scene where... Uh, Batman was just driving at him with a motorcycle and then he ends up crashing and he's, you know, just kind of like, just, you know, body just laying on the ground and they went to go remove his mask. 
So when uh, one of the henchmen went to grab the mask, you know, the, the shock thing got the guy. And so Heath Ledger comes in and he just starts like mocking him. You know, he starts laughing at him. He's like, you know, like <laughs> mocking him because he got shot. Like that was something that I expect from Joker. You know, that kind of slapstick, that right. kind of uh, humor. There was not a lot of that from Heath Ledger. But again, his character was different. There was a lot more of that from here, from Arthur Fleck. Uh, uh, am I saying his name? Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds right. Um, yeah, he threw a lot of that more slapstick humor. Um, he was funny. You know, he did a lot of silly shit. That's what I loved about his portrayal of Joker. Very true. I, the biggest thing I got out of his Joker was that it was just... I don't know, it just made me so easy. And you were talking about Detroit, the other movie that made me feel so uncomfortable was a movie called uh, Midsommar, and it came out came out this last summer. And it's not Midsummer, but swap the U with an O in Midsommar, and it's again a different kind of violence. The, it, it's very dark, and it made me it almost made me feel as as uneasy as watching Midsommar. And like you walk out the movie and you just feel, you feel different. Like, so if you, if you like those kinds of movies, check out Midsommar as well. It will totally just, it will stay with you for days and days and days after. Wrapping up Joker, let's jump right into the next um, in uh, uh, exciting uh, venture. Yes, El Camino. Um, it definitely, it was something that was made in secret. That's what made it better. Nobody knew that it was happening. And then when it was announced. There were rumors, but like, yeah, as you're saying, but by the time it was announced, it was already done filming. And they said, here, it's coming out in two months. Here you go. And Basically. they, um, Vince Gilligan, I will give him a lot of praise, just like everyone else's that did, especially Jesse. He just knows, he knows how to hype things. He knows how to direct he knows how to advertise. Like, he just knows what he's doing. He is one of, uh, he is a genius in the industry right now. And um, I, I feel like he deserves a lot of recognition. Overall, Absolutely. how did you feel about El Camino? Overall, it was, I, I really liked Jesse getting his, his ending that he, needed i felt like it could have gone on for twice as long as it did but they you know basically they i think they timed it right they're okay jesse really only has x number hours to really escape to really get to where he has to be before he's caught by the police who are obviously looking for him because the cops are onto him they know he was at this place. They know he's gone, and they know he's somewhere in the area. And there were more things that I wish there could have been, but again, it was a two-hour movie, and they, I think they wrapped up everything they needed for Jesse's story. There was, you know, if they could have gone into more about what was going on with Walt's family, that would have been great, but then again, it wouldn't be Jesse's movie. This, this was Jesse's story, after he escaped and his post like after that. And yes, I, I really, really, really liked it. I watched the first day it was out. I'm like, this is, this is good. This is very good. 
Uh, I probably don't feel as strong um, because uh, if anything, I was just more content. Um, is it one of my favorite, um, you know, uh, uh, pieces of film? Not necessarily. I mean, it was good. It really was good, um, but I was more content with it. Um, right. There was nothing that I had like a real problem with, except for like maybe one scene. Um, but I think um, you know we'll kind of break it down here in just a second. Um, mm. But I mean, overall, again, you know, and, and, and this is Vince Gilligan's um, first full-length film, um, and I think he nailed it. I think he knocked it out of the park because um, mm. there was so much that you can do with this story. I mean, think about it because right. he knows the legacy that he created with Breaking Bad. You know, but you also have Better Call Saul on the other end of the spectrum here. And now you have El Camino. So he knows that he should only do so much before it starts becoming too much. Give you exactly. a good Exactly. Walking Dead. I love Walking Dead. Well, I'll take that back. I loved Walking Dead. I feel like his, now they have Fear the Walking Dead, which was great when it started. I have, I just never kept up with it. Not, not to say anything bad about the show. I just never kept up with it. Um, but I loved it when it started because it was cool to see the um, the uh, 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 the infection as it started, you know. Um, and now we have another Walking Dead show that's coming out that's taking place after, um, like several years after, you know, uh, um, everything has gone down. So it's about kids who have raised up in, who were raised up and now are adults in this um, new kind of universe, right? This new way of living. So you can do a lot with it, but again, it's becoming oversaturated and it's just becoming a little exactly. much. So Vince Gilligan, he knows he's got to tread lightly if he wants to keep people interested. And I think he did it the right way. Good example. Yes, exactly. With El Camino, he didn't, he didn't really necessarily catch you up to speed. It was just, it took, it took, it, it, it just took off from the moment that it started, like from, from, from where it ended, it just took off from there. Didn't bother to go back in time, be like, so this is what happened before, blah, blah, blah. No. Um, he kind of did. He kind of did. If you, there was, but, well, there was the, there was the recap that. Yeah, again, but like it was two for a reason. Remember, he was trying to find the money. He was trying. Right. Yeah. And, and it was also flashbacks to PTSD. But this is not shit that we saw. This is not anything that we knew what was going on uh, when Breaking Bad was still on. This was entirely new shot scenes. I mean, there were several, yeah. um, like even, even the meet with Mike at the very, very, very beginning, that didn't happen in Breaking mm. Bad. Um, nope. the, a couple of conversations that he had with, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, his girlfriend? Jane. Yes. And then the conversation that he had with Walt, those were all new scenes, something that yes. didn't happen and didn't necessarily take you back and kind of recap. The, you know, all these new flashbacks of, you know, what was going on in Jesse's life, those were about six months, what was in um, New Hampshire. And um, so we got six to see what was going on with Jesse those six months when he was held captive with um, Todd and Todd's uncle and the neo-Nazis. We got to see how much she was abused mentally and physically. You know, physically. 
Absolutely. I mean, he was just tormented. So we got to see, you know, all these awful things that how much of a real psychopath Todd kind of was. And we never saw that really before in Breaking Bad. We know Todd was, you know, his uncle was neo-Nazi and, you know, Todd killed that kid. But, you know, we thought, you know, Todd's just kind of a I thought it was kind of, I thought he was kind of dumb in Breaking Bad, but now we just saw he was just yeah, you're right. This because real sick, you know, sick man. The the way the way that you kind of get the portrayal of him, he's kind of like that, you know, kind of doofy kind of. Well, which where did it go, boss? You know, uh, kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of like that. That's yeah, the impression that I got. That that's fair because remember you got to remember like when he you know they killed you know, Todd killed that kid in Breaking Bad. He was like, oh, there's kids here. I got to kill them. And it wasn't like, you know, you remember, like, that's what drove um, Mike and Jesse to quit. They're kind of like, you know, they all had done horrible things before, but injuring, you know, killing a child was both their breaking points. And for both Todd and Walt, they're kind of like, this is just business. And it's just... So speaking of that, speaking of, you know, the terrible things that they did, is this really the ending that Jesse deserved? Thinking about everything that him and Walt did, is this really the ending Jesse deserved? And I only say that because remember when he was speaking um, to the vacuum guy, which um want to throw an ode out there to Robert Forster for, um, you know, his in theater um it was it was sad to hear because i literally read the news right after watching el camino because i didn't watch yeah. it for like late at night so um yeah the next yeah. morning i read about it it was just like wow I, right. he just right. passed away the day the day it came out yeah um but remember the conversation that they were having when he's trying to convince them that like hey you need to help me disappear and he's telling them of all the terrible things that he did and he told you he's like bro like are you just gonna throw you know pull those heartstrings for everybody he's like you made these decisions like you made you know you helped shape the path that you now walk so mm -hmm. then that no it's that's that's very true that is very very true um is it what Jesse deserved? I mean... Think about it. Like, Brock. Brock is now motherless at his age, yes. and his mother's so young. Why? Because of the shit that um, Jesse got into. Can you blame Watt for that? Up to a point. No. But, again, yeah. Um, you remember, Jesse was trying to sell drugs to the people who were um, at the... Rehab. you know the rehab rehab you know meetings so you can say jane made her own decisions yes but she made those decisions after having met jesse yes and the same thing i mean man that is a you know i think everyone i think most people you can say wanted jesse to have his clean start i think jesse you know in this movie Jesse definitely has a lot of remorse. I mean, he, you know, calls his parents and he doesn't say, he does not say he's sorry, but he does say, you know, for what everything that happened is on me. This is not on you. So he doesn't say, he doesn't say the words, I'm sorry to them, but he does, 
he does try to make remorse to, I mean, his family, it seems like, and to, I mean, Brock, we, we don't know what that letter said. At the end, when he gives it to the vacuum guy, mm-hmm. we don't know what it says, but I assume... Hear- yeah, didn't mean to cut you off. Apparently, um, there's a chance that um, Aaron Paul may be able to release what's written in that letter to Brock, like sometime in the near or not near future. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I assume that, you know, it's some sort of remorse to him saying, you know, I, I'm the reason why you know your mom is dead or i don't know it's just but again does i think everyone wants jesse to have the stir because jesse did get caught up in the wrong you know a lot of things you know because of walt but again jesse was adult jesse could have said no i'm done but then again jesse probably would have been killed by gus by walt by he would have been in jail because of hank i mean you know but (laughs) Does it's, it's a lot of what ifs. It really is. It truly is. There is. There's. There's a lot of what ifs, and you know, they definitely had hinted at Alaska for a while. Because remember, at the, in the final episode, um, when Walt um, talks to Badger and Skinny Pete after they have after he talks to. Um, gosh, what are their names, about, you know, giving the money to, you know, um, Walt Jr., you know, they say, well, he was was in Alaska. And they definitely foreshadowed that for a while. So, I mean... And that's the geniusness of Vince Gilligan. Like, every detail, like, he sticks with it, and he keeps up with it, and I love that about him. That's true. So, I mean, I think Jesse this time around he would definitely would make a lot smarter decisions to his life you know i think he he went out there with you know hey i can do i mean it's like he they say at the end you know a lot a lot of people get a second chance on life and i think jesse would live is going to would live his new life you know the way that he might have wanted to if he was smarter, you know, in his younger memories before meeting Walt, even before that, before when he met um, Crazy Eight, you know, long for those days. So am I satisfied with that? I mean, I'm satisfied with it, with, with uh, El Camino. It's, you know, it's a great movie. And, you know, so I, I'm... I'm I'm good with it, so yeah. <laughs> Did you have a favorite cameo? Favorite, I. Mike was good. I like seeing Mike getting, but I like seeing Jane at the end as well. It was like, you know, Jesse still, still thought of her, you know, quite a bit. Um. Obviously, when. I think she opened up his eyes and his life a lot more than anyone else. 
Yes. The things that exactly. She, the things that she did, the things that she introduced him to, um, I think it helped open up and expand expand his mind a lot more than you know than he realized that he could. Absolutely, I'm with you there, hundred percent. So, um, it was good to see. You know, nice to have Walt as a cameo, and uh, yeah, that was. I said it was good. I have to say, and and like my favorite parts of this movie, um, and my favorite cameos are with Badger and Skinny Pete. Like I yes. just love their characters, and um, I love how it opened up. You know, and and a majority of of Jesse getting to where he is is because of them. Like literally, the best fucking friends that you can ever have. Like holy shit, if you you know, if you have to evaluate your friends, like are they willing to go to the extent that Badger and Skinny Pete did for um, Jesse? Like holy shit, and just how they took him in and like literally like made him you know realize like yeah you know we are here for you like i i just loved it that is that was like my favorite parts of that movie that's true everything with them you know no, the that is no i'd say you're absolutely right they are the friends you would want to have you know if you have nowhere to go at two o'clock in the morning you would want to go to badger and skinny pete they obviously had his back they you know hadn't seen jesse and obviously you know entire time he's been held captive and all of a sudden he shows he shows up at their door you know dirty disgusting rugged and just beat the shit and you know jesse's not like saying let me in let me in he's just like hey you know they're like holy shit dude you know get in here and you know jesse says you know i need to get the, i need to get this car off the street and you know they literally say come they literally let him in they you know and they go on their own and shove that car in their backyard and jesse just eats probably the first thing he's had to eat and you know god knows how long <laughs> god knows how long besides like you know when todd would shove him some ice cream or something like that so they're just like then they give him a, they give him a bed and they're just like you know then they realize, you know, all the entire news is already looking for Jesse. They're already looking for him. And they're, they never turn him in. They never even think about turning him in. And you remember, like, when after um, the original. The, the, yeah. No, I was going to say after the. the uh, no, 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 no. I was going to say even after the, uh, the uh, Savage, uh, Old Joe. They got oh, Old yeah. Joe. Yeah. Joe's like Joe's like I'm not taking this car. Like there, there, there's a bug on it. I'm not taking it. And you know they're just like they uh, they say okay, well here's here's the new plan. It's like Badger, you take this car, you drive it down to Mexico, you drop it off in the border, you know you hitchhike back here. It's like you know Pete's like Skinny Pete's like you know I'll take this car, you know I'll get caught with it, and I'll just say I don't know where Jesse is, you know, and it's like. Mm. And then he's like, Jesse, here's my car. Like, just go. And you'll be fine and just, we'll figure it out later. And Jesse's like, dude, like, why are you doing this? And Skinny Pete literally says, dude, you're my hero. And that's the last. We don't hear, we don't see Badger or Skinny Pete again, but, you know, they just do that because they, because their friendship with Jesse and you know they both jesse you know 
never like kind of saved skinny uh, Badger's skin, you know, in the original series. And they always had, you know, their backs for each other. So. Absolutely. Um, while I was researching a little bit more about the movie, I found some um, little uh, trivia information that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so the customer okay. in the vacuum shop who is wanting to get her uh, curvy repaired is actually Marla Gibbs, who played the maid Florence and on the classic sitcom, The Jeffersons. Oh, okay. Uh, and this one is one that I knew right away. The limo driver, Clarence, who brought the girls to the welding place, um, actually appears in Better Call Saul twice. Um, if anyone who's seen Better Call Saul, you would recognize him as a, one of the two guys alongside Mike when they meet, uh, meet up with Price uh, in a parking garage to, you know, for a possible job. And then the second time is when he helps Saw get revenge on a couple of teens who stole his money uh, in a pinata warehouse where they're like just beating the shit out of the pinatas, pretending that they're going to beat these kids to a bl bloody pulp. Like, uh, as soon as I saw him, I was like, bro, like, I love how it just continues to tie the universes together. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but hey, again, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, Joker and El Camino, I mean, they're two fantastic uh, pieces of film um, that, you know, we deserve, <laughs> or do we? Um, but if you haven't seen either of them and you sat through this podcast, well, then very interesting choice of uh, a life choice, my friend. Um, <laughs> I don't know who does that, but go see the movie you might as well now since you know both of these uh uh movies absolutely right now uh do you have any other final thoughts on any of these two pieces um i don't not for the podcast i'm good i'm good all right well, um, friends, it has been a, a fantastic time recording. Uh, again, thank you for joining me. Um, I know this one's a little bit long, and some of you are kind of uh, very stingy about your time. But if you just if you were if you did dedicate your entire time to watching this, uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, hope to continue to do this more uh, to bring you a better show uh, and make something worth listening to. Uh, this has been Anxiety and I. Uh, have a great night, and um, don't let's um the hell's going on out there uh, anyway um, <laughs> there's some going inside, but you know hey that's the world we live in right <laughs> thanks for having me goodbye